Okay, welcome everyone to Open Sources Guelph here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I am Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico, and joining me is... Scotty Hertz, and uh, apologies to our Dawson City listeners since they shot down that object. I guess our simulcast is off for today, but... Oh, man. I, yeah, if, <gasps> I guess if they shot her down, then you can't listen anyway, so... There's always the internet, I suppose, but that's an actual shout out to our people up there who listen. We have the coast to coast to coast. Took three years to get that the material for that spy balloon together, and they just shot it down. All recycled. All it's recycled. Old, old milk bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. We were trying to, you know make the world a better place and they just shot it down because we're all balloonyacs now we're balloonyacs i say <laughs> anyway i'm gonna send one up now just for laughs <laughs> locally <laughs> see who comes as long as it's a big butt skinner balloon i think that'd be pretty oh good. yeah oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> anyway open sources is cfru's political political and current affairs discussion show and you can find us every thursday at 5 p.m as we talk about the latest news items from guelph ontario canada and around the world and we sometimes interview local newsmakers and politicians which is something that's not happening this week we're gonna <gasps> do uh i know shocking Fe- february blahs are getting to everybody but uh we will persevere with four topics so we're going to talk about all the news from the last week, including John Tory and a surprise announcement last Friday night. The Toronto mayor announced that he was stepping down because of, all things, a sex scandal. What does that mean for Toronto? And then it's the one-year anniversary of the full-on Russian invasion of Ukraine next week. So we will talk about where things stand as it's looking like Russia's gearing up for round two or round ten, I guess, depending on how you're looking at it. And finally, we will catch up with our old friends in the U.S. Congress to see how it's going with all the Twitter files nonsense and all everything that has nothing to do with solving real problems speaking of real problems uh been a real problem for doug ford these last few days since uh it was released that uh he invited uh developer friends and lobbyist friends to take part in his daughter's wedding and her stag and doe uh thousand dollar donation to to get into the stag and doe i don't know that seems like a lot of scratch for a stag and doe but uh also 150 dollar for the 50 50 tickets I, no thank you uh <laughs> going to that stag and doe would put me in the poorhouse as well but uh it's not it's not about me um but doug ford again seems to be caught in a conflict of interest this is of course with the ongoing stuff about the the green belt and opening that up for development uh the umbrage from the premier about reporters asking him at media availabilities about conflict of interest and stuff is certainly palpable so uh we're gonna just let scotty clear the cannons and talk about doug ford and rich developers and relationships they're in we need the loading sound that (laughs) yeah he says he says ridiculous things when not on the prompter and i've said this before but it was what was it this week look i know hundreds of developers mm-hmm. like developers don't know hundreds of developers right <laughs> yeah they, they don't <laughs> they just don't <laughs> and you know I, i've been to a few stag and does i'm sure you have it's it's mm-hmm. actually uniquely canadian if not ontario thing mm-hmm. and uh, i've never really felt shook down but yeah you were saying thousand dollar donations 
And yet his comment was, I 1,000% cluder with the integrity commissioner. It's like, first of all, 1,000% in this situation is not a thing. <laughs> Secondly, you went to the integrity commissioner after the fact. Mm -hmm. Now, are these developers friends of the bride cookie or whichever bride it is? I don't know which daughter it is. Kayla, I think. I don't want, okay. I don't, Kayla? Uh, maybe. Anti-vax one? No, no, it's be not the, no, no, it's not the anti-fax one. She's I don't want to be unfair to the kids because it's not their fault. But however, if it's their stag and doe and their wedding, would you not think that it would be their people that would be at it, not the dad's friends? Like how tight, yeah. how tight are you with these people? I would, I can't say on any occasion I've been that tight with people from work and they are from his work, right? Mm-hmm. Mm but also, does the millionaire, like multimillionaire, need that money? Mm -hmm. Could a not, couldn't a multimillionaire pay out of pocket for the daughter's wedding? Which is, you know, there are traditions where people pay for the daughter's or the kid's wedding or whatever, right? But doesn't need the money. So what's it about? Mm -hmm. Right? The plot's super thick and getting thicker. <laughs> the day right mm -hmm. thought to be forgotten with everything that we're going to talk about in topic two yeah and i wouldn't put it past anyone to you know this the skeptics out there are like oh this this dropped at a very convenient time uh it sure did <laughs> there's nothing really convenient about it because i mean it it, it, it is all of a piece with the whole thing about the green belt which uh the a, a star narwhal uh investigation showed that eight out of the 15 parcels um that are being taken out of the protections were bought in the last in in the last four years that Doug Ford's been governor so there's there's this feeling that certain developers have already uh or or were preparing to um to to receive benefits from that from from those developments being or those hurdles sort of being removed um I mean, this whole thing whole has a smell, and I'm kind of saying this half jokingly, but also half not. I mean, this has all of it has the smell of like the the opening scene from The Godfather with you know asking the Godfather <laughs> a favor on the day of his daughter's that's wedding. Exactly what I thought. <laughs> it's, it's a thousand percent. That's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, you know, you have you have uh, Shaker uh, Ramatilla, who's you know gotten MZOs out the wazoo and uh, owns land alongside the where they're going to build highway 413 he's at the premier's table you got this other guy carmine negro who um has gotten a lot of he's gotten a position on the york regional police board he's also gotten mzos you have this uh other person whose name i can't remember but you know his who's like gotten a bunch of nepotism positions including like positions on the board of the lcbo and and the ontario place corporation it's just you know favor after favor after favor and they're all sitting at the table at his daughter's wedding now you know i don't know if doug ford is really friends with all these guys or if it's you know kind of purely business but at the same time i would get why you would kind of like have you know business relations and you have them involved in a personal affair like your daughter's wedding and all that you know that's how business is done it's like this is kind of like backroom dealings kind of thing the point is though you can do that for your private business you are not supposed to be doing that with the government and i think 
this whole thing has been framed off kilter from the start because the, the original global report comes out and says like, oh, integrity commissioner cleared Doug Ford having developers at his daughter's stag and Dylan wedding. And that's not what happened. Nobody was cleared of anything. QP briefing, the, the newsletter um, that's owned by the same company that owns iPolitics was, you know, doing some spelunking into this. They go to the integrity commission or they go to the, the premier's office and say, hey, we've got this story in the cooker. Doug Ford then goes down to the integrity commissioner and says, hey, did I do anything wrong? And the integrity commissioner says, from what you've just explained, no, we don't think you did anything wrong. And that's what we're calling a clearing. And that's actually not the case. It, it you know, He didn't go in advance. This was in January this went down. So literally months after both the stag and doe and the wedding. So it's, I mean, this is legit. This is this is prime time. Uh, public needs to know territory, and he can come out and you know he was moaning at, at this Brampton presser to, to announce some deal with Magna to develop like end to end you know EV manufacturing. Um, and you like I can't believe you. The press has the gall to ask me these personal questions. It's like it's not personal. If <laughs> it's not personal, man, when you have like developers who are making money. Thanks to the policies set down by your government, and you're having them at these like personal events. It's not personal. You are doing business behind the back of the people, and that is the people's business. When you're in government, if he wants to do private business dealings, he can go back to sticker land and sell stickers or whatever. But as long as he's the premier of Ontario, everything he does is in the public realm, and he needs to get that. Well, that's it. That, doesn't one of his daughters work for Magna? Does he have to go to the integrity commissioner for that? I may I may have that wrong, but I I thought that's they a good did. question. And Magna's a long running, uh, let's call it a conservative org, right? Yeah, the Stronics. Right. Yeah. So the, there are ties there as well, but I mean that that's the usual. I don't I don't know if Frank Stronach was. Oh, no, he's gone, isn't he? He's gone. He's gone. Okay. Well, Belinda, let's say, was she at the wedding? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Great question. <laughs> but this, who sits at the family table at a wedding? Right. The family. The family. Yeah. So is this the family or is it the family, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Randy will be there and the kids and what that's, that's if it was, (laughs) but the Fords have the, the Fords pull this all the time and Rob Ford did it as well. It's like, you're going after my family. How dare you go after my family? When there's a crossover that's as heavy as this one, it's, it's still not actually going after the family. It's like, what do you consider your family? Is it the corporate family? Mm -hmm. Is it? La familia with money, right? Because it, it, that it's it's totally shades of when you've got lobbying firms and government relations firms, and you're shaking them down for like cash and the Vespa tickets or whatever. I wonder who won the Vespa. Uh, pretty sweet prize. Good prize. Um, yeah. But uh, is, is this the you know pay to play or is it just an honest way of trying to raise? money for a wedding and when the wedding industry is out of control we could probably talk about that one day how it's just like you know you have to have you wedding, have to do yeah. this these to be, this needs to be a very modest way to raise money for people yeah have a wedding go oh she can't really afford the dress and all that and then it becomes it becomes a circus like this right it's <gasps> it's just completely out of control so wedding industrial right, complex yeah yeah every, every right to <laughs> to uh yeah Kiss the ring. Um, 
it has that feel. I just saw that brief clip of you know somebody. It's just somebody with their phone filming. Right. Who knows? Person X. But I guess the, the Ford and Co were upset about that. It's mm. like people go to stagnant. People go to functions like that. They film things. Yeah, I'm gonna guess there were no journalists proper there. There may have no. been some that are, you know, that they have the links to. Yeah. Uh, wink. It isn't us. Lily, maybe you know, because oh, Brian Lily, Brian Lily was definitely there, but yeah, yeah, he wasn't there as a journalist if he ever is, because he's uh, of course shacked up with the <laughs> premier scums person. Mm-hmm. Now that's a conflict of interest. There's a comp. There's another from our perspective, and probably most people's. It's like really, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yet, yeah. You know who clears that? Sun doesn't care as long as the point of view gets across. Well, that's the long and the short of it. The Rob Ford comparisons are interesting because you know, Rob Ford was famously caught up in conflict of interest scandal that almost cost him his mayoralty. And that was about um, football, his football charity. He set up a football charity so that you know ki- disadvantaged kids would be able to get the equipment they need. Uh, and that was, it was sketch, but it was, you, you know, you couldn't help it feel a little sorry for rob because it was in the name of good cause helping underprivileged kids play some ball um but you know it's also just a fact of like kind of how sloppy a person he was that he you know misconstrued you know what was the official business of his office and what was his private business as a as a you know citizen and a philanthropist and a baseball enthusiast or football enthusiast uh, and you know, he didn't care about any of those distinctions. He's just like, I want to get, I want to raise some money for my kids. I want my kids to play football. And th- I mean, that's, you, you can make the argument like you should be as a city councilor, as a mayor, you should be following the rules and not sending out solicitations for your football charity on your private city of Toronto or on your professional city of Toronto letterhead. But what's going on here with Doug is much more sinister because we're talking about millions of dollars at stake hundreds of perhaps hundreds of millions of dollars at stake major infrastructure projects that are going to cost the environment uh highways uh you know around the province cutting down trees probably building high impact low density housing mcmansions all of that stuff and uh it 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 just it looks bad all of this looks bad and as we've said before in politics if it looks bad it is bad. These people may be legitimately friends of the Ford family. I don't know. I don't have a list of who Doug Ford's friends are. But when they're developers and he's clearing the way for developers to have an easier time developing, you know, maybe you should maybe you should say to you know your friends, it's like you know, it'd be a bad look if I had you at my daughter's wedding. It's like you know, if you want to send like a a waffle iron, that's one thing. But you know, <laughs> you're, you're not going to be sitting at the head table, even though you're my close personal friend allegedly. So. Hundreds of them. Hundreds yeah, of the them. Thing, the <laughs> thing with Rob is that he wasn't smart enough, and he was a bit of a rogue agent before he was, and when he was married, true, too. True, yeah. he, didn't, he didn't, I'm not excusing it, they didn't know any better, but he's just, I'm just, like, he used to leave council to go coach and then come back, yeah. right? Yeah. He right. would just walk away in the middle of stuff. And how many of those votes were, like, was it 44 then? 44 to 1 or whatever the heck it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but in Doug's case, with that, you know, that Tory infrastructure behind you, Mm-hmm. Not John Tory, but <laughs> government Tory. <laughs> you should know better, and yet somehow, mm-hmm. yeah, he doesn't. 
It's one of the reasons why I think uh, Doug Ford is probably not going to be stepping down as premier to run for the mayor of Toronto has been sort of alleged online in the last couple of days. Yes, there is going to be a vacancy at the mayor's office. Not today. But uh, <laughs> as we're recording, John Tory is presiding over the uh, 2023 Toronto budget meeting. Um, but on Friday, he announced that he was stepping down. This was shortly after the Toronto Star went to the mayor's office with some questions about an inappropriate relationship between consensual but inappropriate, I should add, uh, between John Tory and a staff uh, city staffer who was less than half his age. Um, of all things, take John Tory down. No one had money on sex scandal, but uh, here we are. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. There's a lot here, and uh, this I saw this morning that I guess the meeting, the budget meeting, got shut down two or three times in Toronto. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you caught any of this because, yeah. and it, it's not for John Tory reasons. It's like it's for the reasons that we see everywhere across the province. Like you're not building anything affordable. You're just going to ram this thing through. But he's hanging around. To mm-hmm. complete this now, everybody thought he didn't. He'd never said he's a lawyer. Mm-hmm. He never said last week that he was resigning effective immediately. Mm-hmm. He used that language that lawyers use, a workaround. Say you know, I can't even remember it was as soon as possible. But he never said I'm done. Door slams. See you later. Didn't say it at all. And I saw the report of the you know the scrum is chasing him today. It's like why didn't you? Why are you still here? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But you know, he's he's there for reasons, like to get to try and get this done. I guess it's going to get done, but and it's it does sort of distract a little bit from everything else that's going on. I did see Ford's comments this morning. This is the ultimate crossover. He's saying, Oh, you know, if a leftist gets in, we're done. We're oh, sunk. Oh my goodness. Nothing's gonna happen. But then, you know, will you be taking away the super mayor powers? He's like, No, I will not. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that's his way of saying that he knows he's just he's just spitballing. It's like he's worried about so-called leftists in Toronto, but I mean they're they're probably not going to take it, and that is the great question. But yeah, sex scandal not on the bingo card for twenty twenty three, especially uh, for John Tory. But you know this 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 isn't uh, you know an unusual story in that power dynamics and these kinds of things happen way more than we think mm-hmm. um but the fact that it was and i hate using the language saying a subordinate mm-hmm. but i don't know i don't know how else to put it it's like what uh and of course there was some humor in that too and on twitter when somebody said you know this this is a reflection of the dating scene in toronto for yeah somebody who's 31 years old shouldn't really make light of it if it was indeed consensual but if you i think if you removed uh the situation perhaps how they came together and all of that it it's one of those things that probably never would have happened right? it's hard not to make light of it because blog to turned it into a whole piece mm. uh so you know that's, remove, that's, remove that's, the that's, ick level right it's like but we <laughs> see, you know we've seen this on larger scales with clinton trump no. berlusconi's back in the news the bunga bunga parties yeah he did all of that None of them stepped down. So yeah. the comment that even Tory scandal is boring <laughs> is but it just seen more than one place is accurate because it's kind of like th- and this is why there's a lot of people saying, well, why even bother stepping down? You know, it's your your marriage th- on the rocks. This was consensual, but you know, it's still sketch. Yeah, it, it's it's sketch given the moment, um, and I think that's why he 
his his immediate reaction was to announce that he was stepping down. It's just after the last several years and dealing with, you know, romance in the workplace, especially between um, a superior and a subordinate. It's like, even when it's consensual, you have to ask yourself, is it really consensual? Um, Mm. Because he's the boss. And, you know, on top of all this is, you know, there seems to be personal issues in in terms of his his long-term marriage him and his wife barbara have been married for like 45 years but she lives most of the time in florida um Mm. so you know there's there's stuff going on and you know as a human being you have to kind of feel sorry for john tory but on the other hand this is like this is not a mere sex scandal like as if he you know met someone at a hotel and they went upstairs and and you know did as two adults two consenting adults do it it, it, this this is about someone he worked with every day and of course you know these you know these things don't happen in in a void other people um who work in the mayor's office will have surely had noticed and there you know there's a comfort level too uh that you know how you know how do you work with the mayor when he is um obviously sleeping with his co-worker even though they're trying to hide it so i mean there, there's a lot of interpersonal dynamics inside the mayor's office that um uh, i think have yet to come out about this the, the ankle with the whole ford and i did see that live um on wednesday the whole thing well i, I think i wrote a few yeah i wrote a few choice quotes down um <laughs> if a lefty mayor gets in there god help the people of toronto <laughs> and if if a left wing mayor gets in there, we're toast. Oh, so that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're toast. He says it's it's all over. <laughs> Our agenda can't be pushed forward. Our agenda to pave over everything with my friends who were at the wedding is, <laughs> and well, I think I mean, that's probably why they want Tory to stay on, right? Or, and I'm he's... sure, although Ford is saying he's staying out of it, there is hmm. no way in hell. He is staying out of this and his people. Well, it's, Tory, it's impossible. Tory's been malleable. It's like, yeah, he stood up to Ford on occasion, but he also went along with strong mayor powers. Yeah. Um, and the whole thing with and Jonathan Goldsby from Canada Land sort of previsioned pre- this. I'm not a hundred percent sure if I'm willing to get behind the prediction or not, but it sounds too crazy not to be true. Is that um, if it looks like a, a lefty? Uh, is is going to win that election? Doug Ford c- will just change the rules and and pass the notwithstanding clause and then install somebody. Mm-hmm. You know they have that ability. The the City of Toronto Act is a provincial piece of legislation. There's nothing to say that they, they can't whip out the the act and um you know cut and paste and add a line clause to a three that in the event that the mayor of Toronto resigns from a sex scandal three months after an election, the province of Ontario can appoint someone they feel is appropriate whether that's michael ford or whoever oh, um <laughs> so you know they're, they're, it's it's not outside the realm of possibility but i i think it, it has been kind of bizarre to me over the last two elections that there has been no sort of strong competition and maybe it speaks to how little people invest in their local political scene like they'll rant and rave against the mayor but yeah nobody will stand up and (laughs) take on the mayor um just you know how little he's been able to or how with how little effort he's able been able to get by in the last two elections and there was a piece from the line uh that went out on wednesday um written by 
Oh, I lost his name here. But he he was written by somebody who worked on the Tory campaign, Andrew Tumulty. Mm. Um, he wrote that, you know, he was on the, the Tory campaign the last two elections. They had a war room, you know, ready and waiting with the the ability to do oppo research on any potential strong candidate that comes forward, and there's none. Um, with the exception of like Jennifer Kiesman, who I think it ran in 2018, the former city planner, but she was just like too good. She was too um, clean as a whistle and had too good policy that they were able to really attack her. So there was really no need. She ended up losing, I think, uh, by 30 some odd percent. But, you know, it, it, with Tory out of the way, there is a chance that a, a by-election for mayor will be able to like really dig into things like what kind of Toronto do you want to be? What's it going to take? Um, maybe how can you use strong mayor powers in a way that's not so icky um, to rubber stamp like a, the the development agenda and all that? That's I mean that's going to be the real interesting question. So um, yeah, I, I I I do have concerns that Doug won't be able to keep it to himself. I mean he <laughs> was beaten by Tory in 2014, mm-hmm. but um yeah i think this is this is something that i think toronto needs to sort out on its own and i'll be interested to see how it sorts out and um yeah it it, it I, I think i think what comes next for toronto is going to be much more interesting than um how john tory <laughs> well, <laughs> although although i i can't remember who said it that, that pointed out that you know he was no story tory um uh, yeah <laughs> two beer tory well, they- and and this is how it kind of turns out that this is his this was his legacy after after a reputation of being a political loser, he's finally a winner, and this is how it ends. Well, they all need to stop electing nepo baby millionaires at all <laughs> levels, whether it's the mayor of Toronto or the premier. True. Over and over again. True. Tory's there, the Ford brothers, you name it. This is this is who keeps getting the gig, and it has to change. Left or right, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's like, obviously, on the right, there's a, there's a pattern mm-hmm. that we see over and over. But yeah, he was heading into McCallion territory, right? Oh, for sure. He could have been 90 and stole the mayor and everybody like, oh, we love our <laughs> Tommy Shanks or whatever. <laughs> there's a reference. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, it's it's kind of sad in that regard. And, um, you know, it's such it's such a personal thing right you you want it to be personal it's like you don't want to care about the the you know the the circumstances around this but again we're we're in the moment of this reckoning um in terms of all all sort like stuff you're mentioning too like his his you know his family's tendrils go back to his great grandfather who founded mm-hmm. sun life you know one of the great big buildings you see in the course has sun life on it um it's interesting too. Somebody was complaining about um, City TV. There was a little bit of controversy on the on the federal side that Christopher City TV said that Christopher Freeland was one of the people who called Tory and, t- and said that he shouldn't resign, and she's sort of vehemently denied that. And people have been saying, "Oh, this is Rogers trying to paint John Tory in a bad light." It's like, why would George Rogers want to paint John Tory in a in a bad light? He makes a hundred thousand dollars a year being an advisor to the the Rogers family. Yeah, like there, there's a conflict of interest. <laughs> there's another conflict. Yeah, right. So it's it makes me laugh all over the place. That but he's uh, he's smiling. Yeah. He'll have no worries. Oh, he'll be fine. Yeah, like he's he's not getting his tent picked up and thrown into a bin. No, with all of his belongings, which happens over and over in Toronto. Like yeah. 
that's yeah. that's that's the reality of this. That's right. It's like he'll he'll be smiling all the way back to the Rogers headquarters. There's office is probably still there, <laughs> but they better keep those interns away from. Um, Oof. Yeah, there's. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm sure we'll we'll revisit this again in the near future as the the mayoral election in Toronto gets underway. But in the meantime, we're gonna have to take a quick break. We're traveling abroad next to Ukraine. You are listening to Open Sources Guelph here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. And when the daylight hour will run, and by chance we'll pull down that song goes out to John Tory, who never actually graced us with his presence. Possibly the greatest cheating song ever, in my view, James Carr from the Complete Gold Wing Singles, 1967, I think, The Dark End of the Street. It doesn't get any better than that, mm. in, my, in my view. No love for Jolene. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, Jolene. Jolene's in my top 10, for sure. <laughs> this, right. one, this one. All right, you 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 choose the music. I uh, I, <laughs> I went out of bounds by questioning your judgment on that one. That's no. okay. It's all um, good. It's not all good in Ukraine, though, because uh, we are approaching the one year. One actually, a week from Friday is one year from the launch. I was, I'm trying hard not to say the start of the Ukrainian the war in Ukraine because that started in 2014 when Russia mm. took Crimea. But in terms of start of the full-on invasion of Ukraine, the the whole country, that started February 24th, 2022. Uh, Ukraine is top of mind this week because the NATO leaders were meeting in Brussels. Uh, there was more discussion about uh, what kind of support Ukraine needs now uh, in terms of ammo. They're going through ammo like uh, like it's a war. Uh <laughs> But uh, Ukraine wants fighter planes, and uh, there is some reticence on the part of NATO, especially the United States, to give Ukraine fighter planes uh, a lot of concern about ratcheting up the tension. That seems to be happening anyway, because Russia is moving its own air forces to the border. It looks like Vladimir Putin is is getting ready to uh, try again, as it were. Uh, to take the country, and uh, meanwhile, they're still fighting along the Eastern Front. Still no idea. I remember talking about this when the when the fighting started, like, how is, how is this going to end? It turns, a, a year later, we still don't know how it's going to end. Not very true, but Putin loves dates with anniversary dates, so it's the, mm. the special operation was launched on Defender of the Fatherland Day, which I think is the day 23rd, maybe. I can't remember. But a significant mm. day in, mm. in Russian and former Soviet history. And then it became Invade Your Neighbor Day. Uh, yeah, it's... I wouldn't say it's ended. There's been lots of analysis. Anybody's guess as to where this is going to go. But it's definitely more blood on the horizon from the readings they did up to this point. It's They just seem to be offering 
people up as sacrifices mm. from Russia to gain inches by the sounds of it in some cases. Uh, yeah, so that you know the artillery thing is accurate and that they're just dumping on them and then they they with no change in tactics by the sound of it, it's it's just a bloodbath. Mm-hmm. So and I, I don't I mean I don't know if that is to prove the point. It's like you see, you see they're killing all of our people. It's like it's unbelievable. Uh Zelensky on a tour, which was interesting because I don't think he left Ukraine. Uh, up until last week, London, Paris, and then, as you said, Brussels. Well, he's in Washington in January. And in Washington. Right. It started with Washington, and then he worked his way uh, back. Talked to trying to shore up the support and request her. Please, you know, please send us everything you have. And some of some of that is happening. I think certain countries are clearing out their stocks of, of uh, tanks in particular were requested. And as you said, um, jets as well mm-hmm. um, i think some are coming of the old soviet style to them but yeah where you know where, where does this go and i'd also heard i'm not sure how accurate this is but i've heard it reported in more than one place that something like 97 percent of the russian army is mm-hmm. in ukraine mm. so if you also subtract the the, the ones that are in syria uh, and other places it's is is the back door open is is there a possibility <laughs> that you know this is this is the, the the end game is just throw absolutely everything at ukraine and then you know, get that's how they end up beaten into submission because that's what's happening there's no unless you know this big uh push that's going to come next week and the talk is that it's it's started already mm-hmm. uh how many big pushes do you have in you until you run out of conscripts and people to throw at it. And if I understand it right, the Wagner group, the sketchy, uh, you know, mercenaries are mm. being pulled back because that's starting to look bad. It's always looked bad. Mm. So, well, you know, it, those, just, those are the guys that have no, yeah, those are the guys that have no gloves on and that are doing like the actual war crimes of, you know, assaulting people and abusing prisoners of war and, and assassinating their own people when they don't like, yeah doing right just yeah uh yeah it's and and there are all these tales coming out about you know russian soldiers refusing to fight or or being ill-equipped and or being essentially being cannon fodder as you said you know it just seems like there's precious little command and control in the field It, it 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 feels i mean i wouldn't be surprised if we started hearing about fraggings either fragging being a term from vietnam where american commanders would order soldiers essentially into into a fire you know order them to go into a essentially a firing squad and um soldiers would turn around and kill the commander to stop the, the waste of life um it sounds like we're pretty close to hearing stuff about like that on the russian front and then there's this bit from igor gorkin who was convicted in international court for downing that Malaysian flight with uh, the shoulder fire missile that this was back in 2014. Mm-hmm. And so he has kind of a more of an insider look and he's, he's looking at Putin saying like, he's, he's committed. He's like, he will keep fighting until there's nothing left. He uh, is going to push and push and push. Um, and, 
there's no leadership in Russia right now. Like there's no viable political alternative. There's nobody else anyone in Russia can look at and go, okay, well, when Putin finally falls apart, we can look at this person. He's gotten rid of everybody who might present a political threat. And anyone who thinks that they might be a political threat or, or could fill the void are definitely keeping their heads down. And on top of all this too is, um, there's actually a presidential election in Russia next year, like at really? literally, like literally a year from now, March 2024. Hmm. So <laughs> you have to wonder what's going on in Putin's head. He wants to look tough. He wants to get. In, he wants to be president for life. He wants to get reelection. Like his political machine works back home, but uh, you know, a lot of that depends on how much the people believe he is strong. And if he goes at them again, goes at Ukraine again, and it's another massive waste, another loss of life. And if air, air superiority ends up out of the question, because that's pretty much all they have right now is air, which is why they're marshalling all their planes and fixed wing fighters and all that to, to, to go air superiority is all they got. If, if the EU and the U S break down and start giving Ukraine fighter jets, uh, you know, what, what happens then to, you know, to, to Putin in this, this vision of strength that he wants to project going into an election year, which again, he has fixed mightily the last several elections, but you know, the, the fix, you know, people have to believe you're a strong man. And what happens when he does, when he stops looking strong, Um, it's going to be a mess. And I think that was what old Igor was getting at. It's like, this is going to end rather messily, messily. And I think a lot of foreign affairs analysts are, are, agreeing with that sentiment this is going to be a mess um when it's over yeah i think that's the key is that looking strong and being strong because Mm. the perception is in lots lots of places in russia that he is you know their their propaganda machine is is really good at generating that yeah uh but there and if you shut down any criticism of the special operation like they have, I th- just saw, I think it was this morning, the journalist Maria Ponomarenko getting jailed for six years. She made a social media post about the bombing of the Mariupol theater mm-hmm. and was critical of the government. She's a journalist, six years. Mm-hmm. And it was, I mean, it was, that was, it was like, oh, how dare, this is that, how dare you? I mean, there's, there's lots of places, the same with uh, LGBT propaganda as they call it right mm-hmm. spread the gay we're going to arrest you uh so th- these are the kinds of things that shut down a discussion to debate i've actually been following a couple of anarchist groups because the filters are off with them mm-hmm. it's like if you want an idea of what is actually going on you need to kind of pull back the curtain a bit it's difficult for them to get information out but uh, you get a bit of a, you know, the unvarnished truth of what's going on. And in lots of, it doesn't look good. Here's my prediction. I don't think Putin's going to see his presidential election. Mm. I think statistically, uh, if, you know, if the rumors of illness are true and, you know, these are the kinds of things you see in, in war, uh, that the rumors and whatnot. But if, if that is the case, uh, coupled with have the, you know the i want to say the oligarchs but the the <laughs> these sort of people behind the curtain that you know dispose of certain folk by throwing them out of windows or just we don't know what happened he's just dead mm-hmm. uh if they turn on him 
because it looks like Putin's scared. He only travels by train, doesn't tell anybody where he's going, although there are people that know. Uh, maybe he's, you know, you know, the anarchists have been taking out rail lines. I mean, <laughs> there's a possibility there, right? That some put it this way. I'm sure plans are afoot that they're going to take a shot at him somehow. And if it, it, yeah. it may not, it may not be an open shot from like a plane that's been given to the Ukrainians. It may, it may be a little more clandestine than that, but whatever it is, it'll be under mysterious circumstances. That's just me sort of, that's the, I'm usually wrong about these things, but I, it, <laughs> how long, what, what is left of the Donbass? What's left? Everything that I've seen is like, there's nothing, they've just bombed it into oblivion. There mm -hmm. is nothing there except resources, which is what it's really about. Mm -hmm. That's what it's really about. It's not, you know, you can philosophize or whatever, as much as people want. It's, it's about getting resources and of course the territory and making Russia look strong and all that bs that they're they're talking about but there is a limit to that yeah it, they're talking about some of those people around putin uh talking about this being a large and fruitless war um because the, the rules are kind of the same they couldn't take ukraine uh in the first couple of weeks in 2022 what makes them think they might finally break the logjam now especially with all of Europe doubled down. There's no there's just no question. They're not going to win, and because Putin has essentially tied the continuation of the Russian state to the continuation of his presidency, like he has people he's hand selected in positions of authority in the government, in industry, in media, and it, if, as you say, this goes wrong for him what happens then what happens to the body of the snake when the head's cut off you know if those people aren't if putin's not there to give people those orders anymore what happens and i think there has to be a question now is the end of putin or i guess it what, what's the more dangerous course the war continuing um that would be certainly more dangerous for ukraine but if Putin, if this leads to Putin's end, is that more dangerous for Russia, which would probably, given the fact it's a nuclear power, also be more dangerous for the world? And what does, at this point, what does a post-Putin Russia look like? Those are big, huge questions I hope somebody is thinking about right now. because yeah, Post-Putin yeah. Russia is going to look like a bunch of puzzle pieces because it will break up. Mm -hmm. All of the, what we consider Russia and what is actually Russia are different things. And I think something else to watch too is that there's a small sliver of a place called Transnistria, mm -hmm. which butts up against Moldova, which still considers itself a Soviet place. Mm -hmm. And if there's going to be any further uh, action from the like a new front, let's say in the war, it's probably going to be. Here's another prediction from me: <laughs> I'm usually wrong, but there's this sliver of space that's on the the west side, the west, the western front. Let's there is no Western Front yet, but mm. if anything's gonna break out, and there's also uh Kaliningrad, right? Where the uh Baltics are. Plus, mm. oh, and of course, let's not forget Belarus to the north, <laughs> which is pretty much a puppet state at this point. So, but then yeah, that's the thing. It's like where do you where do you find the people? Mm -hmm. You're gonna start recruiting uh from from where?
Mm-hmm. There is there is nowhere. If you want it to be pure Russians or whatever the hell, like yeah, I I just hope we're not having this conversation this time next year. This time yeah. Next year. Yeah. Because it's just such a such a sheer waste. Not the conversation, but everything that's going on. It's just like unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. So that was a heavy topic. So for mm-hmm. a bit of fun, uh, we're gonna look southward at some of our some of our really great you know, representatives of what Western democracy looks like, people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert and Jim Jordan, who all took part in a very bizarre committee hearing last week <laughs> where they brought up former executives at Twitter who were mostly fired by Elon Musk in the aftermath of his takeover last year to explain why could no one find Lauren Bobart's Twitter feed for a little while in their search results? <laughs> it was a scandal, I tell you. Why were they so... Sub- <laughs> this was the best one. Um, uh, uh, Congressman Cormer from from Kentucky uh, yelling about the censorship of the Hunter Biden laptop story in front of a giant reprint of the New York Post front page about the Hunter Biden laptop story. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. These are uh, the Republican party is not sending their best. And um, yeah, I think we're here for it. Oh, absolutely. Like it's, you know, talk about clueless, I guess on how, they, how, how do they, how do things work? I don't know how things work. Um, <laughs> yet they're all, they all, you know, have massive followings on, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I'm sure some of that, those followers are just to to you know see you know what how big the foot is going to go into it at this point, but yeah, I, uh, I the state of the uh, the House of Representatives right now is is um, interesting to say the least. I mm. it was the fiftieth anniversary of the Schoolhouse Rocks. I, I guess you remember them, eh, Adam? A little oh, bit. Oh, sure, yeah, 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 a little bit. Yeah, we, uh, so we well aged people remember Schoolhouse Rocks when it was new. Uh, but I, I was thinking about that. There was one about the three ring government and they were criticized when it came out at the time about you're comparing politics to a circus and you shouldn't do that. Well, it's completely, <laughs> completely applicable right now. If you can find that on YouTube, look it up. Cause it's like when you're a kid is one thing, but you're always like, yeah, they are. They're really, it's like, it's a circus. The circus has come to town mm-hmm. with this gang. Right. So, although I have to say they did, there was a, a unanimous condemnation of the spy balloon and it being shot down. It was like, yes, that was a good thing to do. And I'm, I'm not sure if that's just sort of an honorary thing or it's like it, it makes, you know, we should shoot them down more. Uh, of course, there was lots of people speaking out. It's like, why didn't you shoot it down sooner? You should just shoot it down over populated areas. Um, so, yeah, it's it, it's gone that way. But I don't, I'm, what you were talking about the, these, uh, these hearings that they had it's like is this is this going to be it for the next well it'll be at least two years right mm-hmm. uh I, you know i don't i don't know if if can america take it i guess they took four years of trump so <laughs> well it's a little bit more raw because of course trump was coming after eight years of you know no drama obama um and of course all of this is of a piece too you know a lot of this is being driven by donald trump although he's he's made some tremendous gains in the realm of sanity by insisting that republicans vote to raise the debt ceiling and not to cut entitlements like social security and medicare so um 
I don't know who the sensible person advising Trump now is, but the so, so much of this too, and you know, you can see the frustration in right wing people. I don't know if you saw the clip of uh, Fox News host Jesse Waters, like after after the after these hearings, he's he's on Fox News screaming about how why aren't they just doing the stuff we want them to do? Like, why aren't like, <laughs> they holding people responsible? Like, wh- wh- where's the jail for like AOC and all these other people? And, and uh, I'm not sure. Again, it, it's hard to tell with these Fox News people how much of it is performative. But at the same time, I, I almost feel like this is a, a, an admission that um, it's, at least in Jesse Waters' case, it's not terribly um, performative because he's screaming about, like, why isn't my imagined universe of Twitter colluding with the FBI and Democrats to silence conservative voices? Why isn't this real? Why isn't there any consequences? And meanwhile, in the hearings themselves, you have Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez um, you know, pretty much proving the the contrary in that, you know, she she makes the point of this tweet that Trump sent out in 2019 where he told the squad to go back to where they came from, even though most of them are American born. Um how this violated Twitter's rules and how Twitter changed the rules after he tweeted it so that they wouldn't be forced to take it down for violating their rules. And, you know, through the course of this thing, um, a lot of the Democrats on on the, on this committee ended up proving the opposite. And, I, and I, there was one person who pointed out, it's like, this is why you, even if you think the, the committee is BS and you think it's political, politically motivated, this is why you put people on it. So you can sort of like punch, punch holes in the proverbial balloon from the inside, which is, of course, the fatal mistake that... Um, Kevin McCarthy made not allowing Republicans to take part in the January 6th committee hmm. uh, either. So, you know, yeah, it, it's it's a silly committee, but you can still make some pretty good, decent political points in it. And I think the takeaway for a lot of people watching this thing was, number one, what are you talking about? Because a lot of this is the airing of like Fox News grievances that you're only aware of if you're in the Fox News bubble. And number two is, huh, maybe the narrative that Twitter and these other social media agencies have a right wing bias is probably incorrect given everything that uh, the Democrats were able to demonstrate. And also, you know, again, um, for people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Bobart, who were there to just like scream about personal slights against them, uh, against their accounts, it, you know, it just shows how drastically unserious those people are. So whatever this was supposed to accomplish, uh, it ended up accomplishing the opposite, probably. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like anytime I see Hunter Biden trending <laughs> on Twitter, like, you know, it's these people, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what it, Twitter should be honest. That's what they want. Mm-hmm. They want they want clicks. They want eyes on things. Right. So if that if that's what it takes, then they don't care where it comes from now as to whether it's like uh, collusion or, you know, you're you're it's you're you're inhibiting our freedom of speech. That's. That's neither here nor there, right? It's just mm-hmm. this thing that exists. And, and Musk has been pretty clear about his views. It's like he just he just wants he just wants everything out there. He just wants people to look at stuff, right? That's mm-hmm. that's what it's really about. And I did this. It kind of speaks to how Twitter gears things toward people because I did that AOC bit that you were talking about there. I did see that, but I didn't see a lot of the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, had, had to dig a bit for like to to find out what the heck was was going on with this whole thing because it did it the whole situation just seems ridiculous it's the juvenile stuff they 
focus on like something else that trended was that uh uh republicans and associates not getting pissed off about the black national anthem at the super bowl <laughs> yeah. right is the the, the what's the song lift every voice and sing right mm-hmm. so this mm-hmm. is this is some, this is a little slice and uh, oh god what's her name again she didn't stand up and this book this trended on let's call it let's call it left twitter and right twitter and left twitter is like oh i can't believe she wouldn't stand up with this thing and then right twitter is like this is so woke all this woke crap that we're subjected to all the time and it's our football game and blah 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 even though this that song predates uh the star spangled banner being played b- you know before everything right so this well, is where they go yeah. they go into these little pockets and it's like it's not completely meaningless but mm. in the scheme of things in the right. scheme of government in the scheme of the bigger picture stuff it's like it doesn't really mean anything yeah it's i mean it's bad that it's kind of infected the the, the legislature um my favorite bit from the Super Bowl was the people who were outraged about the the different colored uniforms on the aircraft carrier deck and like, look at all this woke. They brought the rainbow flag to the aircraft carrier. I think it was the Vincennes. Uh, um, and of course, what these people are apparently are so patriotic, they don't even realize that when you work on the deck of an aircraft carrier, um, your the function you serve on the deck you wear a different color uniform and it's a bright color so because you stand it out it used to be colorful when a, a jet's coming at you right like, <laughs> that's right <laughs> you wear these bright colored uniforms on the deck so that you know ships landing or, or planes and helicopters landing can see you and then whatever your function is that's the color you wear and of course um all these super patriotic people don't understand that. The other thing about Musk, I just want to point out too, is like on on this week where he's you know cheering on all this craziness in Congress. You know, he's also canceling you know Starlink access to the Ukrainian military, which is something that helped them be incredibly successful. So I mean, there are real um, real world consequences to the man who running running Twitter being entirely catering to crazy people. But that unfortunately is a topic for another time. Uh, we're out of time. Maybe he was told to do that, but that's, as you say, for another day. For another day. Um, <laughs> that's it for Open Sources. We hope you liked it. You can stay connected to our website, opensourcesguelph.com. You can find us on Facebook at Open Sources Newswire and on Twitter at OS underscore Guelph. You may listen to this show again anytime by downloading it from our website every Monday at the Guelph Politicast channel on Podbean or through your favorite app. At Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. You can find me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson. And you can check out my news and politics site at guelphpolitico.ca. And I'm Scotty Hertz on Facebook, Twitter, and Mastodon. And if you're listening to us on the FM currently at our normal time and not via Red Balloon, stay tuned (laughs) for Turtle Island Underground. That's one of the great programs that you can hear on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. We shall return, of course, next Thursday at 5 p.m. for another edition of Open Sources, and we will see you then.